springtime in yeah. new york city the birds are chirping it's a you know, you know what i love about new york city i love the false spring that we get around this time of year oh yeah. you know it's like the, it's that week of like 50 60 degrees because we're supposed to have snow next week yeah dude i saw a saturday there's a 30 percent chance of snow yeah. what next saturday i'm not not tomorrow we're, we film these on all right it's friday right now it's tuesday where you are happy tuesday good afternoon happy tuesday the black wolves podcast the pat cast one might call it i'm your host jeremy van suarez i'm jacob wade and i'm logan riley bruner mm, mm, mm. all spring <laughs> <laughs> New oh, York implants. Uh, I'm still on this. New York implants. Be wary of the false spring. All right, we know it. Good. It does feel good. It feels so like good to be able to today. go out in like just a sweater, and not have to worry about like the Calvin Klein like weatherproof coat. Oh yeah. Take off your North Face. Cleaning. And with spring cleaning comes a bit of house cleaning. Logan, you already know the drill. In terms of housekeeping. Uh, we released a new interview with Mr. Marcus Troy, who's a new collective member of ours. We are very excited about that. Welcome! Uh, it's our longest interview to date because Marcus just had so much to say that was really important that we couldn't like find things to cut out. So uh, we just gave you all of it. Um, so go check that out. It's a really great interview. Uh, we're super happy with it. Oh, we'll also be announcing something else. We've got another uh, new thing, new person, new uh, something new coming in. Yeah, keep an eye on our page on Monday, uh, which will have already happened by the time this podcast comes out. So maybe there's some news that you missed. Maybe go check out our Instagram right now. Other than that, not really much housekeeping. We're still editing daily. Uh, so, yeah. Black Wolves keeping that hype train chug, chug, chugging along. We're trying. We are working really hard, you guys. Um, we are. We are working really hard. Yeah. Yeah, man. Can't wait for um, you all to see what we've been working hard on. Indeed. Um, you know, we're out here making new art. Uh, there's, some, there's some art recently that had just, like, finished. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, you know, we're going to bounce around a bit. WandaVision, all right? WandaVision, guys. You know we love it. Yeah. And WandaVision's over now. Yeah. Tear face. It ended, what, last week, two weeks ago? Probably WandaVision. two weeks ago by the point this podcast comes out. Um, we talked about on the podcast being excited for the finale. Yeah, and we didn't say a word about it because we care about spoilers, but maybe not. We're okay. We're gonna try to talk about this season in review without spoiling as much as possible. All right, yeah. there's gonna be some talk about it. You know, we're telling you right now. Okay, so don't get mad at us. We're telling you right now. Click on Maybe the spoilers. Click on the timestamp after this conversation. If you don't want to be spoiled at all, I'm going to try and hold these two to not spoil anything. Oh, yeah. No, we're going to be extremely vague. No details, right? Just uh, just themes. Yeah. We'll see. Come on. Come we'll on. See. We'll see. Don't ruin other people's fun, Jeremy. We talked how about am I? How am I ruining other people's fun if we're giving them a warning? Because this isn't the spoiler cast. Whatever. WandaVision. Guys. I don't like like I don't know. I don't want to start with like give me a number rating, but like how do you feel after watching WandaVision? After having it after having this whole story come to a close, how do you feel? Uh Jacob, do you want to start or can I? I'll start. Go ahead. I feel fulfilled. I feel confused. 
I feel like my time was spent well watching it. I had a good time each week tuning in and putting the puzzle together. However, there are still some puzzle pieces left out of the puzzle. And I'm looking forward to like more phase four projects and seeing how those holes get filled. Um, I have questions about Pietro still. What questions do you have? My question is why would they do that? Why would Marvel do that with casting is my question. And then to explain it in the way that they did, it felt weird to me. And it still feels weird to me. And I have seen the finale twice now and I'm still just a little weirded by that reveal by that reveal <laughs> and section of plot line for such like canon you know like this is a big deal they're 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 treating this like a big deal and so that was one part of this magnificent puzzle that felt like it wasn't a big deal even though it felt like a big deal like okay so that's that's what i have to say there so there i have those feelings but i also feel like yeah, it was really smartly done and I, I was entertained and it was surprisingly kid-friendly. I think the Disney Plus aspect of it made it really kid-friendly, even though it's like a complex show that really requires you to like think to put it together, but not really because they explain a lot by the end of it. Anyway, I'm going to pass the mic to Logan. What did you think, Logan? The first six, maybe seven episodes it was my favorite Marvel property that they had ever released. There's only eight. <laughs> and the eighth made it just another Marvel project. Hmm. Which was a little disappointing. Doesn't take away my enjoyment of the first seven episodes. I think the first seven episodes are really badass. And the finale badass. wasn't bad by any stretch of the imagination. No. But it did, for me, just become another Marvel thing. Like, it was like, is this really where we had to end up in this kind of episode where, like, this is what's happening? You've been so creative up until this point. This feels like you got to the end and we're like, well, we know what everyone's expecting. And that's not what I wanted out of this show. I wanted something different. I wanted a, a different look on the Marvel reality. Um, I am curious as to how they're going to treat some of these characters going forward. Um, and I've see, seen some uh, interesting perspective on what happens to our primary antagonist um, that I will be happy to discuss in our spoiler cast. Um, it's all speculation though. Right, R rumors? No. Uh, oh. Thoughts on the fate of the antagonist of the first season. Oh, oh the fate. Got you, got you, got you. Um, and why it's a little weird. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Loved it up until episode eight, and then episode eight, I liked it. Which is 
It's difficult when you have a bar that yeah. you so, so high and then just like, don't quite hit it. Logan I and like, I, Logan and I talked about this the other day. There's a tweet that sums it up really well for me from app at Rob Rousseau. WandaVision is initially interesting because it's not just CGI actors flying around shooting different colored energy blasts at each other. So it's very funny that it slowly but surely devolves into CGI actors flying around shooting different colored energy blasts at each other. That pretty much sums up how I feel about WandaVision. I think it it starts off as something that is so not Marvel. There's no world ending stakes at play it's such a deep dive into such a human connection. I felt like I was really connecting to this show. Um, I had just lost a family member in the first month of this year. So to see a show talk about death and grief and how people deal with that grief and how you deal with that grief when you have reality warping powers was just like such a, a new and honestly brave take for marvel to go on and especially because jacob's right there are it is pretty kid friendly it's not like overly scary there's no like blood no one's like throwing f-bombs around like it's very pg um aside from like the emotional topics that it uh that it tackles um but i do think that by the time we get to the finale it finds itself in its typical Marvel trappings. Which might be COVID. Could be. I wasn't really like feeling the stakes. I wasn't feeling too much of the resolutions. And I'm like, and in a way, I kind of I kind of excuse that because I understand that WandaVision is also the first part of a like 12 part phase four. Um, and that's always Marvel, you know? It's like what Logan said. I loved it. And by the by the last episode, I liked it. Yeah. Would I still recommend it to people? 100%. Hell yeah. I think this is a great, I think this is a great start to phase four. It's an unexpected way to start it. And it sets up, it sets up a couple different movies. Yeah. Big time. Yep. Especially with those after credit scenes. Make sure you stick around for those. There's two of them in the final episode. It's also opening up a, a field of new characters, which I'm excited about, and yeah. new storylines, and it's just a lot. There's a lot to be excited about. I feel like. Um, and once we're not all editing eight hours a day every single day, we'll sit down and make like a 45 minute podcast of just us talking about the things that we really loved and the the routes that they take off of this show and the excitement that. that we have for like. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness and uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier and Black Widow and kind of all the ways that those Ironheart interconnected. Ironheart, yeah. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be exciting. Dude. Magic conch. Maybe someday. <laughs> Maybe someday. Um, but, you know, it is happening today or rather yesterday, uh, Thursday, March 11th. Uh, the acquisition of Bethesda by Xbox. Uh yeah. makers developers of skyrim and doom and fallout and dishonored and the evil within and prey um xbox exclusives coming their way this makes me tight 
Because I was a big Skyrim fan, and I won't be playing the new game. Well, we don't know that for sure. They just own the company. Oh, they just own the company. Sony. Hey, Sony owns Insomniac, and wait, Spider-Man didn't get released on Xbox. Um, I think games. I not even games like Skyrim and Fallout. I think Skyrim alone is too big to be an Xbox exclusive. That's a lot of they could they could take a lot of money because it's a PC gamers will want to play Skyrim. Here's my theory: if it's gonna come out as an exclusive, it's gonna be a console exclusive, which means it comes out on like Xbox and PC, and it's gonna have a one year exclusive time window. That's my bet. And PlayStation players are just gonna have to wait. Which, yeah, it hurts, but you know what? This is this is this this is the norm. This is America. This is America. This is capitalism at its finest. Yeah. This is what breeds competition. You know, Sony had Sony had Final Fantasy VII for a year-long exclusive. Right. I still don't know when it's coming out on Xbox. To be honest, I haven't really heard any news about that. Mm-mm. Me either. Um, and not only that, but it was it was interesting when the acquisition first got announced late last year, because. Um, Deathloop and uh, Ghostwire Tokyo, which were two Bethesda games, had already been announced as timed PlayStation exclusives. Hmm. Um, okay. So now, this- yep, Bethesda's going to honor that deal. You know, Deathloop is still going to be exclusive. Mm-hmm. Um, and so is Ghostwire Tokyo. Uh, but going forward, I mean, yeah, like, I don't know. Like, like I feel like we might lose Doom could lose doom we could lose maybe like an arcane studios games they made dishonored and death loop and stuff but i think skyrim is too big to be an exclusive it's too big you could say that about spider-man no no you don't think that spider-man is bigger than skyrim i think spider-man is a property sure spider-man is a video game no okay okay that's fair I'm interested to see what happens. Uh, Bethesda has had some issues over the past couple years. Yeah. Uh, specifically with bugs. So uh, maybe this money from Microsoft will uh, make sure that we don't get a Fallout 76 again. Because, you know, Skyrim could come out for all platforms, but if it doesn't work, then I don't care. If it comes out for Xbox and PC and it works, then that might be better. As much as I don't want to lose Skyrim on PS5 or PS4, if I still have a PS4 by then, um, I don't. I don't want another situation where people are buying games and then loading them in and not being able to play them because the games are just busted. I think the gaming industry as a whole is going to take a much more serious approach to bugs and crunch after cyberpunk when that happened i really felt like i and i hope as a gamer as a long time gamer that that moment shook the industry enough for everyone to say let's not do this again well yeah it was the first time that the public the like platform finally said to game developers you're done like 
that never happened with 76 with fallout 76 there was never a if you guys want your money back because this is broken we're gonna take the game out of the market and you can have your money back it's still not on the playstation network store cyberpunk yeah yeah so like there's a lot of fixes that the industry is starting to make hopefully the situation with cyberpunk does scare them straight that it's no longer like oh it's buggy who cares they're still not selling it though which means has it been fixed well, they were releasing patches in January and February. But I guess maybe it hasn't been fixed by uh, Sony corporate standards, whatever right. their standards are. Or maybe they're just not going to sell it, period. Maybe they're just going to say you can buy it in stores, but you can't buy it through us. Nah, they're going to put it back on the store. We'll see. When it comes out as like cyberpunk reignited. The real version. Yes, the, the playable version, you know? <laughs> It works. It's not a beta anymore, guys. Game companies do better. <laughs> do better, game companies. Yeah, we have one every every episode. Do better. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, hopefully they will. And maybe with, you know, this Bethesda Xbox merger, like you said, um, that good old Bill Gates Microsoft money can uh, help them out, um, reduce crunch time, uh, and just ultimately release a better product because that's you know all we want that's all we want you know we pay 60 now turning into 70 dollars day one just to play the newest game I know. there's no there's no other industry like that yeah it's gotta work where people are willing to spend so much money on a new release you know blu-rays come out and they go for like maybe 40 dollars max and then they I go on sale the week afterwards if i walked into a movie theater and the sound wasn't mixed. Like you just sat down to watch the movie and there was just no sound mixing. You'd be like, what the fuck is this? It kinda, I, I don't know why I just remembered when when X-Men Origins Wolverine had like leaked out to the public, but it was like an unfinished version. Right. So it's like Hugh Jackman, like jumping towards like this like clay looking helicopter with like green blades imagine if you saw that in theaters that's what gamers are dealing with but i feel like now once i get once i get cyberpunk like eventually whatever whatever year or day i get it um i feel like it's not going to be the same for me as it was like for everyone who got it and was like experiencing all those bugs and like maybe some people were having fun with those bugs you know i'm sure that's a bunch of laughs that i'll never experience because i, I want to buy a broken game it depends on the bug it depends on the bug. You know, some people were having bugs that their car came and like wrecked up a whole city and other people like me were having bugs where my game would crash every hour and a half. Yeah. And I can't imagine anyone having fun with a bug like that. <laughs> Woo, so, what a game crash! How's your game playing nowadays? I wouldn't know. I haven't played haven't it in months. Played it since you beat it? No, I beat it. I, I beat it in the state that it came out because even though it was crashing you know every hour to three hours i was still like it was still playable and like people were like oh you know like my mission's broken and i was like i'm not really having that problem people are like oh my textures are popping in or characters aren't saying their dialogue and i'm like my game's like pretty playable it just crashes which is just like all right like oh thank you autosave just start it up again yeah and oh get back to it yeah but i know people on playstation 4 like I know a friend of ours was trying to play it on their PlayStation 4 and it was and they were just like it's it's unplayable. I can't do this. <sighs> Game companies do better. Game companies do better. Uh 
game companies do better, movie studios do better. Uh, yeah. there's, there's a ton of industry opening news starting right now because the industry is kind of kicking back up. There's some new trailers, some new movie announcements, some sequels being greenlit, some TV shows being announced. Uh, and there was a new study that actually came out uh, in the last couple of days that I thought was really interesting that I wanted to share with the, the two of you. Okay. Um, so Variety is reporting that Hollywood is losing $10 billion annually on billion with a B? billion B on racial inequality. <laughs> the that's, not, done. that's not the response I was expecting. <laughs> the study was done by McKinsey and Company. Uh, they did a six-month study of barriers facing Black professionals within the film and TV industries, looking primarily at the years 2015 to 2019. Uh, they found that addressing racial inequalities uh, in who makes content and how that content is marketed and distributed could result in a 7% increase in annual revenue across the board. Uh, the study was done uh, with assistance from UCLA and USC, as well as data from Variety themselves. Uh, the price tag that they put on it was $10 billion, along with the following bullet points. Let's hear them. Production budgets for films with a black lead or co-lead are on, are on average 20% lower than films that don't, and they have a 5% lower P&A budget. Uh, the inequalities are even more pronounced for films with two or more black people on top off-screen jobs, as in director, producer, uh, or writer. Production budgets are 43% lower and 13% lower in P&A, respectively. Uh, in addition, 3% of films that were identified as race agnostic uh, i.e. where race, the race of the film's character is not critically necessary to the storytelling, had two or more black people in top off-screen jobs. That figure doubles to six for films that McKinsey calls race-adjacent, stories about the race of its fictional characters, or race-specific, stories about real people. That's still far lower than the U.S. population, which is almost 40% racial minorities and 13.4% black. Films that don't have a black producer are less likely to have black directors and writers, uh, black directors make up 42% of films with a black producer and 3% of films without one. Uh, black leads are unrepresented across broadcast, cable, and streaming. Uh, the number of black leads went down between 2018 and 2019 from 6.7 to 4.7. Uh, Netflix specifically has 15.2% black leads in their content. So Netflix, way ahead of the curve. But um, still, still a really low number. C-suite executives in TV and especially film sectors are overwhelmingly white. Uh, Non-white executives make up 14% of the TV sector and only 8% of the film sector. Uh, the overall message of the study is that racial inequality within the industry are woven throughout the entire ecosystem. Mm -hmm. uh, everyone needs to work together in order to really make sure that these uh, issues are solved. Uh, if Hollywood only cares about green, uh, then this is a way to solve it. By solving these problems, you actually make more money. Uh, the study has also pointed out that if, this, if $10 billion could be made just by fixing racial inequality for black people, imagine how much money is being left on the table for queer issues, for uh, Latinx people, for Asian American people, all of these different sectors that have not yet been analyzed could bring in even more money to Hollywood. 
Uh, so I turn it over to you guys. Uh, how do the two of you feel about this study? Uh, what does it make you think about? And uh, how are we at Black Wolves going forward, uh, and even as we have thus far, uh, going to try and change some of those numbers? Uh, wow, who would have thunk it? People like seeing themselves represented in media. I never would have guessed it. Um, the numbers, the numbers uh, surprise me, especially that number of um, black leads across content going down in streaming between 2018 and 2019. Yeah. Um, but the overall message doesn't surprise me no. at all. Um, black people, as well as other people of color have been saying this for years. Um, we just want to see ourselves represented. You know, we want to see our stories being told, um, whether that's actors that look like us or writers that look like us, directors, producers. We just, you know, we want, we want our, our say in this gigantic industry that we all love, you know? This is not like a recent thing. I feel like since since the height of Twitter, we've been saying this. Hashtag Oscar so white trends every single year for the last decade. And y'all still refuse to acknowledge us. Y'all still refuse to give us opportunities. Y'all still refuse to give us a chance. It's like you said, Logan, if Hollywood really cares about green, then they'll get to work. Yes, sir. Jacob? I'm more thinking about how we at Black Wolves can do something about this. And I think that we are in the sense that we, like everyone's got uh, a seat at our table and in our collective who, who wants to produce work. As of right now, 66% of our executives are uh, minorities. I'm saying in terms of like representative across the board of our collective, right? 100%. Not just executives, but like across the board, I'd love to do some sort of outreach or scouting of just people who want to make things and don't have the resources. Like I'd love to take more chances um, yeah. as a production company. And I know that we, we work with people who we've worked with and that's what we've been saying to 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 feel safe in our decisions as a production company and i think that maybe being a little more risky could could serve us well um, and really showcase some amazing talent that that we don't even know personally yet but i'd love to i'd love to get to know more people and find more opportunities to meet people who we can work with so there's that. The numbers don't surprise me. I feel like it's a given that Hollywood is so white and that it's so much harder for people of color to be taken seriously in the industry and, and get their projects made. A question that I had about this is like the budget, you said the budgets are higher, right? For predominantly white casts. Um, and is that a salary thing? Is that like a who's getting paid what, or is that like how much money is the the um, the production company willing to grant 
um, just based off of a lookbook or a, a pitch, you know? Oh, we I feel like it's probably a mix of both. We have this movie that has Leonardo DiCaprio as the lead. We'll give it $100 million. And we have this movie with Jamie Foxx as the lead. Let's give it $30 million. Right. Both are incredible Oscar-winning actors. Both deserve millions to make their movies. How do we decide who gets what money? Because we've noticed in creating things that we're coming up with budgets. But at the end of the day, the people that are giving money to people who ask for it they have their own they have their own best interest in mind and they're also they're deciding how much money they're giving like if i approach a producer and say i need $50,000 for this script a producer could say sure i'll give you $50,000 or they could say i'll only give you 30 do movies end up getting made because they don't get their full budget or are minority creators asking for lower budgets because they don't expect to get as much money are we are producers just giving lower budgets to casts because they're have minorities in them exactly it's all things that we need to start looking at and fixing as we go forward yeah yeah but as a production company i feel like we have good heads on our shoulders and and good intentions behind our actions yeah yeah you know Oh, look at us. Just a little bit of reflection. Yeah, I know. That article made me sad. <laughs> but you know what? We got to do the work. Yeah, yeah, I think the thing the thing that makes me inspired by it is, A, Hollywood tends to only listen to money. So if you can show them that money helps, then they'll make the change. Mm-hmm. But B, it says that the conversation is happening. Yeah. With the conversation happening, it means that we're moving in the right direction. Um, there have definitely been things that I've noticed throughout my career that I wish would change faster. Um, as someone who's starting to produce, as someone who's been producing alongside both of you, I, I definitely feel like there are things that we can do better. Um, but the fact that we're noticing them and making the changes is important. Yep. Uh, yeah. I think, yeah. I think, I hope that people can see in the work that Black Wolves does that we're not just talk, that we're not just talking about this stuff, that it's not just, oh, we have these people in power positions, but they're not actually in power positions, uh, that we do actually want to allow creators who have been silenced to create the art that they want to create. That's important to us. It kind of goes back to something that our newest collective member, Marcus Troy, said in his interview. Um, that we, not just as Black Wolves, but as the new generation of artistes, we are the future. Now, I know that kind of feels like a given, but with that comes these wants, these intentions, these needs for new stories to be told, because especially our generation, we've really grown up in a, in a repackage, you know, in a repackaged system where it's like, oh, we're not going to give you new content. We're going to give you, you know, this reboot of Point Break, a TV, sh- a surf TV show from the 80s that everyone's been asking for. We've really grown up in this kind of this repurposed, remodeled generation. Um, and our generation is, is sick of it. And that's in terms of storytelling. That's in terms of who's represented. That's in terms of who's being represented on and off screen. 
Um, so I, I do have hope for our generation that we will be able to change these numbers, change these statistics and change what is seen on TV to make everyone feel welcome. Yeah. yeah. Can't wait to make these projects that we've been keeping in our back pockets because we don't have the funding for them. And guess what, people? We don't need that much comparatively. True. We don't no. need $10 billion. We don't. We've got projects that we could make easily for 10000 So just saying. If you want to produce Black Wolves content, you know where to find us. <laughs> Our inquiries are always open, and we're always looking for new talent, new projects. We want to work, and we want to work with you. Black Wolves. It's pretty easy to contact. All our emails are on our website. So if anyone's watching this and is like, you know, I really want to work with them, like, email us. It's real easy. If there ever comes a point where we're getting too many emails that we have to be like, all right, guys, stop emailing us, we'll let you know. We're not there yet. Even at that point, I don't think we'll be like, don't email us. It'll just be like, we're going to respond a little slower. Email this <laughs> other email. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, I'm I'm looking forward to this summer. I feel like we're gonna get a chance to make some cool shit. Me too. What about oh, you? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm looking Excited. really hopeful. <sighs> Feeling good, guys. I got my I got my vaccine yesterday. Feeling good. Doing hey. You know what? You know. How's the arm doing? It's a little sore. It's like getting more. It hurts more and more. I thought it would like hurt less and less, but <laughs> it's fine. Um, little sore. I can I can move it though. Good. We're good. I believe in you. You'll be fine, kid. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, um, on that note, I mean, what, what content have you guys been consuming before we sign off? For sure. I have continued to play Kentucky Route Zero. Gosh, I'm, it's, I'm in love with this game. I talked about this like maybe a week or two ago. Um, I think original the, the review that I watched said that it was like this poetry puzzle but it is not poetry this thing is literally a play oh wow it's formatted as a play there was an interlude right so it's like the levels of the game are broken into acts and between each act there's an interlude well between act two and three there's an interlude that is literally a 45 minute play and i've already bought the book because I was like, this is incredible. Not only is it a 45 minute play, but it's like, you can look at the characters and the dialogue will progress. You look down at the table and you realize you're a character in this situation with your own stage directions. You look over to the jukebox and it tells you all the sound cues. You look behind you and you can read the reviews of that play. You look like over here and you can like see like the director's notes and you look to the other side and you can see the actor waiting to like come on stage. And I was just like, I was- I was just so in awe of like just this rephrasing of how you can tell of, of storytelling through video games. It's like, it's really unlike anything I've played ever. I was going to say recently, but like ever. And it's also a game where it's like you have choices. It's not like a telltale game where it's like choices carry over, but it's these choices that are so small that feel so huge that I'm like, Ugh, like, but what if I ask this other, like, what I, it's it's incredible i highly recommend it to anyone who's interested in just like a narrative experience kentucky route zero <clears throat> thumbs up of approval i'll have to check that out 
I started playing The Forest yesterday, which is this, uh, which is like Minecraft. If Minecraft was set on an island full of cannibals, it's spooky. And I don't know why I started playing it. I'm I, like, all my friends keep trying to get me to play horror games and I'm like, leave me alone. And then they, they bully me enough that I'm like, all right, fine. I'll play the damn game. And then I have a terrible time, but it's a fun time because we're all having fun together. Right. Yeah. Um, I started watching God of High School, which is a Crunchyroll anime. Every episode is a cool fight. And that's, that's, that's what I'm here for. RuPaul's Drag Race, still watching that. New episode of Jujutsu Kaisen is out today. And I'm looking forward to that Snyder Cut. Have to mention it every week. <laughs> you right. thought we were going to not mention it this week. Uh, uh, uh. All right. We end up doing a compilation before the Snyder Cut comes out of every time we've mentioned the Snyder Cut. Oh, yeah. All right. Logan? Next up, Logan, what you uh, got for us, bud? In terms of new stuff, uh, I read through all of Ready Player One. Oh, you finished it? I did. Uh, I, I really enjoyed it. I've been reading recently some backlash about the book that it's like it hasn't aged well or it's just a bunch of pop culture references in a row that has no real like meaning. I don't know that I agree with that. I really like it. I would like to now watch the movie to see if I have the same reaction. Logan, watch it. It's a good movie. Uh, This is what I have heard, but I've also heard that it does not stick to the book very well. So uh, I'll be interested in that. Over the weekend, uh, RuPaul's Drag Race Snatch Game, which was so good. Um, Very much enjoyed that one episode of the season that I watch. uh, And then I'll just wait till the finale and I'll watch that. Other than that, I'm still playing Apex because of course I am. Uh, I'm still playing Assassin's Creed Unity, speaking of games that still have bugs in them. And I'm still watching the same things that I was watching before. WandaVision just ended. I finished Hunters a little while ago, so I haven't really, like, started a new show. Um, and I haven't really had any time to watch any movies. I got a bunch of stuff from SAG, though. So hopefully uh, I'll start doing that very soon for the SAG Awards um, because voting is coming up. So, uh, yeah, that's what I've been watching. Fun fact, every time Logan loses a ranked match in Apex, he's doing 10 push-ups. I am. Logan, how many push-ups would you say you've done by now? By now, like probably at least three hundred. <laughs> I that's the number I was thinking I'm, of I'm as well. I'm doing between like forty and ninety a night because like there's some nights that we do really well and like we'll only lose like three or four games and there's some nights that we just get swept. Uh, so so yeah, I'm trying to get my my workout in uh, even while I'm playing the same video game over and over and over again. Mm, that MLG lifestyle. Very Jacob, nice. what you got for us? Oh, I've been watching this show called Losers on Netflix, which is a documentary style series about people who have like publicly lost. It's mostly athletic things like there's an Iditarod episode. There's a a soccer episode. There's a basketball episode. There's a, you know, uh, a marathon episode. There's really it's really cool, though. The way they do it is cool. They like have nice like hand drawn animation um, to uh for like flashbacks of like the actual events um whatever they didn't get actual coverage of really cool um i don't know when it came out but had a good time watching that series also watched coming to america and coming to america uh both were great 
movies, and I think I like the first one better than the second. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah. But I heard that the I heard that the big house that they filmed coming to America at is actually Rick Ross's house. Huh. And it looks huge. It's a big house. Like insanely huge. It's ridiculous. Yeah, you should watch the movie. I'd I'd suggest it, sure. Other than that, can't really think of much. Oh, I uh took a recommendation off you, Jacob, and I started watching the uh Vanishing at the Cecil Hotel on Netflix very and i'm not i'm not one for like murder docs but this one's really interesting intriguing eh yeah intriguing and like the episodes are like every time i finish an episode i'm like that wasn't like a waste of time (laughs) yeah really really intriguing mystery that like still i mean i've only watched the first three episodes so there's still fourth um i don't know if anything will get resolved um probably not um as this is the vanishing at Cecil Hotel. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I'm i an optimist and I hope for the best. Yeah. Great. I'm glad you're enjoying that. That was yeah. a fun ride. Yeah. On that note, see ya. Yeah. <laughs> see watching. ya. It's time for us to be vanishing out of here, but we hope you come back for more. Make sure you go on to our Black Wolves Instagram page and our website. Come to us if you have a project. Yeah, come join us. Give this video a thumbs up. We haven't done and, that in a while. Yeah, we haven't done that in a while. Thanks so much. I'm Jeremy Van Suarez. I'm Jacob Wade. And I am Logan Riley Brunner. And I bid you adieu.